Mad Learning Today's UW Alumni Voices podcast. I'm your host, Josh Van Camp, and today we're going live into Singapore with Darren Ho, agricultural consultant. Darren, how you doing, mate? Hi, good morning. Good, thanks. Now, you're an entrepreneur, you know, agricultural and consultant, you know, you're a farmer and an avid fan of filmmaking with 10 years of experience in managing farms and working on different startups across Southeast Asia and Australia. How did you get started in farming? So what happened was when, um, so right after my um, diploma studies in, in Singapore, when I did finance um, and I, you know, got my smoke on my feet wet in, in a few um, banks and a few investment firms, uh, it still didn't feel quite right that this was something that I could do for the rest of my life. So I then um, decided to take a switch, right? But I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So after, after a couple of months, I decided to go to Cambodia to, to you know, to, to, to volunteer to teach English. Um, and the village that I was teaching English in was a rice farming village. So that really got me thinking about um, how to get involved in this, in this food and agriculture industry. Um, and then when I went to Australia, uh, I, was, I was staying in one of the colleges and most of my mates were all um, farmers' kids. And... And through you know interaction with them, through going down to visit their farms, I was like, whoa, this is this is something that I could definitely do for a long time. And that's how I did my. Um, so I switched my course from uh, from from finance and then and, and then economics to natural resource management. Um, and ever since then, I've been working in different farms. I've been helping out you know a few of my friends' farms in Australia, from dairy farming to broadacre farming to greenhouse farming. So that's how I got into myself really immersed in this in this in this industry um the australian way of course did you have anyone like a bit of a mentor through this time as well or was it something you just you literally just dove into uh no yeah i dove into i dove into it hit first for sure but along the way i met you know many different many different farmers and growers whom i interacted with and who i spent time with and and you know it's it's through these little um conversations and it's through the, the 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 you know during during the seasons that we that we work together I, we, we pick, I, through all this uh, little experiences i pick up many things from from them so i didn't have like a specific mentor that i would count on for all my decisions you know didn't didn't really have that now you I know. yeah that's what, now you co-founded in sector you also you know started up citizen farm but now you're kind of got starting up again so being an agricultural consultant, where do your projects exist currently? Um, my projects exist predominantly in Southeast Asia because of the huge number of um, uh, smallholder farmers that I want to work with. Uh, it, it's definitely a lot, a lot different from what we have in the Western sort of um, agriculture industry, where it's you know it's huge, massive, industrialized kind of uh, system and processes. Um, but in in Southeast Asia, it's predominantly dominated with um, you know, millions of smallholder farmers that that make up um, the food supply chain from the production side. So my 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 projects exist mainly in Indonesia, um, Malaysia, uh, and in Thailand for now. Now, what exactly is it that you do for? Okay, so most of these um, smallholder farmers exist on a cooperative model, where the cooperative would either engage me to say like, okay, look, Darren, um, I want to develop a new product. Um, there's a market for this product. How do I get my farmers to implement new farming practices for this new product? 
how do I um, create the uh, supply chain so that the product can go from one point to the other, um, you know, without wastage? Uh, and, and, and how do we preserve quality so that, you know, the finance consumer has value for their money and then the, and then the smallholder farmers can ultimately benefit from the increase in value. So from, from all these problem statements that they, that they give me or that they, that they um, um, uh, asked me for, for advice on, we develop a project plan, we design a project plan, and then we implement it out on a small scale basis first before um, we roll out across uh, more smallholder farmers uh, in, 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 the, in, in a timeline that, that makes sense, of course. So a lot of times my, my, my role um, hovers between the supply and demand side of things because mm. I always need to know um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the demand space, right, what are they looking for before I can work backwards to get them to get the products out there. Is there also maybe like a common problem or issue you're consistently trying to fix as well? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's mostly social. It's mostly um, a farmer's mindset, right? Most of these guys um, were educated and taught by their fathers and their grandfathers and so on and so on. Um, so most of the time when they... And of, and of course, they, they have that sense of um, reliability on, 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 on the crops chosen. Um, so a lot of times it's about a mindset change, trying to get them to adopt to that. They need to see, to believe, they need to understand, to believe. And, you know, out of a hundred, only two will probably be with you from the very beginning, but you need at least, you know, you need the rest of them to, to, to join in at some point to make it viable. If not, if not, then a project will not, will not be, will not be successful. So, um, it, 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 it's a fundamental, um, mindset shift that needs to happen on on the farmer side of things that's the biggest problem yeah okay and what about technology is there any like how's technology being used in farming in in your line of work yeah i i take a very balanced view on technology because technology tends to tends to create more problems if it's not well implemented Mm -hmm. if it's not well designed for your solution um and the truth is smallholder farmers are actually very they're very um, aligned with their natural surroundings. So they use a lot of the natural surrounding to fix the problem on, 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 on the farm. Uh, as, at least that's what, that's what I've, I've observed. Uh, sure, they, they do implement a new, you know, new practices like biotechnology practices into, into their farming um, system. But um, I think the level that they are implementing on is not high. There's definitely room for growth. Um, in terms of you know connectivity, B two B platforms, um, all that all that definitely will aid in their growth. Um, but I feel that for you know you don't you don't just go from a Fiat to a Maserati. You go in between. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get faster in between. You don't go from like a normal car to Formula One. You know you gotta go through a go kart. You gotta go through all of the you know the the the, the races. But um, and 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 a lot of these guys are still in the in the far end of the spectrum, um, and and we're already on the very on the opposite end of the spectrum where we're using really really high five G network. You know these guys are still existing on 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 basic um, on basic technology. So we have to be cautious in how we implement them down, so as not to disrupt them too much, uh, at the same time affecting the productivity. Do you have to have a lot of patience in your yeah. role as well? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a lot of stakeholdership management, right? Like, um, in 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 on the ground, there's one level of working with the with the with the farmers, you know. On 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 a higher level, you have to deal with the government, you have to deal with the NGOs, uh, you have to deal with the suppliers, you have to deal with the off takers. So, it is an extremely intense multi-stakeholder approach to even move um, certain things uh, from from there. So yeah, you have to have a lot of patience for sure. And what about you and how do you generate your own business? Is it a lot of word of mouth? Are you promoting yourself out there? How does that yeah, take place? It is. It is. It's uh, mostly through um, partner companies that already have a goal in mind. So for example, um, most of these companies would need an office space and, and they happen to all be in, when it comes to Southeast Asia, some of them are in Singapore, some of them are in, are in the, the, the actual country itself. So all these countries would find a way to you know, connect through conferences, events, through word of mouth. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm quite lucky. I, I, ha- I do have uh, a range of products that, uh, sorry, a range of clients that, that, that need a lot of uh, work to be done. So I, I do get to pick my projects. Um, right now, I tend to pick more of the long-term uh, projects. I mean, when I say long-term, I mean five, five years and beyond, right? Five to 10 years instead of um, going through those um, hidden you know, hit and run kind of projects where it's less than a year, six, six months to a year kind of stuff. So I, I don't want to um, invest any more of the energy to, you know, just, just for a short time, but, but really want to develop something so that there is, there's enough mileage, right? We can, we can think long term. So, so it has to be a big project for sure. Um, but that's how I started out. I started out with the, the short six months, the one year sort of stuff before I, I could even, um, I could even entertain any of these, you know, um, five-year projects that they were talking about. And what about those larger projects? Have they been impacted quite considerably with the COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we were starting a new project up in Thailand um, near the border of Laos. Um, that was, that had to completely be, be um, um, stopped because no, no travels uh, within regions. Um, you know, the, the Thailand has their own way of managing the, the spread within the urban and the rural areas as well. Um, so accessibility was immediately affected. Uh, of course, we still have, you know, meetings every now and then, but um, if you're not there to, to develop the strategy, if you're not there to um, communicate to, to, to the stakeholders, um, and then more importantly, if you're not there, because we, we, we were past that already, we were there more to um, run and implement the, the processes then it makes it a bit difficult um you know you you can't be you can't be on a, on online and and talking and then um not doing you know so so that translation from talking to doing is is definitely affected as well so how different is a week in your life different you know pre-covid to now no doubt that every day must have been completely different i mean you've got so many yeah, different sure. countries and, and stakeholders sure. you've got to manage I would um I would say I, I used to travel you know once every other week uh, so every two weeks I would go to one of the one of the one of the countries to make sure that everything is going according to plan um, I do have projects in Singapore as well in fact in the last few weeks I have seen the biggest um, search in demand for for what I'm trying to do um, in Singapore purely because the because of the need to, to strengthen the local supply chain of, of, um, of food production. So my time now is spent on all my Singapore clients, Monday to Saturday, trying to make sure that 
um, all the all the projects are up and running. Um, but back then, I I, I guess the, the biggest difference was that I used to travel a lot more. Um, but now I'm shifting a lot of my my efforts on you know spending time online, developing developing my 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 um we call it like a like an like a like a shared sort of online um system where we keep track of each other so it's more like a, a project planner online rather than being on the ground and, and, and taking it on but um it takes time to adopt to adapt sorry into 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 these little things especially on on, on the on the on the rural communities where where they don't get as much internet access so you have to pick your you have to pick your battles and what about picking the right time to work? Because you're talking about Monday to Saturday. Do you get time to unwind or are you, oh, yeah, with yeah. your with your role, are you on call? Like if people have yeah. a problem on a Sunday, yeah. you, can't, you can't be like, ah, oh, yeah. sorry, I'm busy. Exactly. No. So, so Josh, see the, the farm never sleeps, right? You gotta, <laughs> that's right. You gotta, you just, you just gotta be on call. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, it's almost like you're, you're, your mind is just prepared for anything to happen. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, then great, you can just unwind, you can just chill. But um, your mind is trained to be mentally prepared to face any situation. So you're, you gotta be on top of every project that you're in mm-hmm. to, to be able to um, support um, adequately. Um, because most of the time people will rely on you for advice, information, and, and you know, like, what, what do we do? What should we do, right? And then, and then you just react accordingly to make sure that everything is fine. And if things can wait, you wait. If you have to prioritize and it's urgent, then then that takes that takes every yeah. And let's talk about some of the biggest hurdles that maybe you have to overcome, mm. maybe early in your career or, or right now. Like, is there one that stands out? Yeah, um, I'll say I would. I'll, I'll I'll pick two. I'll pick two. The first one was that picking the right project is pretty much the most important thing. It's like picking your first job, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick the right one. Um, that was something that I had to learn the hard way um, because the project involves, you know, people. Mm. So, so I had to learn the hard way in working with the right people, working with the right, um, you know, cause, cause ultimately the project is owned by people and people have their yep. own agendas. So, so that was, that was one of the key takeaways you know in my last three years working in southeast asia where it's it's really not as transparent as as, as you can imagine in, in the western world where, where there are a lot of um where it's a lot more you know it's a lot more wild it's a lot more wild wild west in this, in this region okay. um, then the second one is uh again to do with people actually it's, it's more about building a team finding the right people to you know coach and finding the right people to train up finding the right people to 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 um, work beside you i think that is that is definitely the key i've also learned to um develop like a a managing system that that would allow me to be to to do multiple projects at any point in time so that that is a very important part of of uh, of 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 what i'm trying to of what i'm trying to achieve yeah so so how so you, how do you find the right people and who is the right person yeah um how do I find them? Honestly, I, I could find them from a grab drive. You know, sometimes I'll just talk to my grab driver and, and, and he or she would tell me, you know, uh, sick of this. Can I, can I, can I, um, can I join you? It seems like you're quite interesting, you know, your job, you know, so it, it could start as simple as that. 
uh, or it could come through um, recommendations. It could come through my old um, my old friends who I reconnected again. I don't really put more. I don't really put a lot of um, hope on on finding one through the conventional way because the conventional way is is uh, is something that only relies on paper. So mm-hmm. I I always rely on on the on the um, what do you call it the soft the softer side. I don't I don't really I don't really use um, your qualifications. I actually want to know your track record. I want to know your current state of things. I want to know your future plans. That would that would allow me to determine whether you be you you be a right fit. Um, and of course, you know, being being in the agriculture industry, it's not just about sitting down and with a laptop or a computer. It's about moving around. It's about being mobile. Um, so you got to be quite dynamic to 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 even um, you know it's high energy and 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 a very dynamic space. So you need to you need to be able to have that capacity to deal with them. Uh, so so yeah, I mean, in Singapore, a lot of us, uh, it is tough to find here. Um, I I know a couple of Malaysians and Indonesians um, who are extremely hardworking to be in this field. So it's it's not it's not something that you just pick up from from you just pick up from a resume. It's something that you gotta go through the the processes. Yeah. And what about you as a leader? Have you learned different I guess leadership behaviors throughout your time? I guess when you first started out to how you are now. Yes, um, very, very much. So, you know, I used to have a lot of uh, feedback from my team that, that tells me that I don't listen to them. I don't, I don't keep their, um, their, their thoughts or like, you know, the, the way, the way, like if they, 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 they want to do things their way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't listen to that enough. Right. So, so I do, I do, I do, I did have a lot of that. Um, and, and, and then I was also sandwiched in between, you know, investors as well. So, so I did have quite a tough time being in that position, um, which really, which really shaped the leadership that I learned uh, running in, in 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 startup. But you know, a lot of my leadership comes from being in the military, where um, where I was, where 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 every Singaporean had to go through. So you spent two years in the military, and and that really shaped me to what leadership meant. But that was that was in a military context, so it was. Mm quite a different um, uh, angle um, and then coming into the civil society where it's a bit um, it's a bit less uh, um, autocratic it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so it, it, it definitely made me um, learn the hard way and, and, and you know everything boils down to managing and, and there is no one way to manage you know um, but what I, what I definitely believe is never ever compromise on your own beliefs mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of others. Uh, I think that, that, that is something that I've, I've picked up, you know, never ever compromise on yourself. Now let's go back to your role at Citizen Farm. So you're, you were the head of Citizen Farm. For those that don't know, Citizen Farm, it's urban farm in Singapore, growing quality produce with minimal waste. Can mm. you just share how you became head of Citizen Farm, you know, what you did in that role and I guess what the status of it is at the moment? Yeah, so Citizen Farm happened right around 2016, where um, urban farming was at the cusp of of um, taking taking the lead in a lot of um, in a lot of the uh, agenda that the Singapore um, wanted to push for in terms of food production. 
Singapore didn't really know how to deal with urban farming because there weren't many at that point in time, to be honest. So Citizen Farm was built to be a sandbox for the government, for the for um for for social entrepreneurs um like like us to to see how we can implement an idea into a reality. So this was um you can say it's a public private partnership that tried to that tried to synergize in, 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 in the urban farming context, you know. So Citizen Farm is a community farm that wants to bridge the gap between people and uh, and, and, and their food, right? The food meaning food production, food wastage, everything that has to do with food, um, Citizen Farm was there. So we, we, were, we were very ideally located um, in the middle of the city. And that gives us a, a very big advantage to be able to attract uh, people to come down. Um, and Citizen Farm wanted to be, uh, Citizen Farm was also a test bit for technology because back then Singapore didn't really understand um, farming technology the way that we do today now. So we, we wanted to test out various forms of technology, indoor farming, hydroponic, greenhouses, so that we are better equipped for the next phase of us, which is then picking the right technology. So we were, we were this big, you know, you can call it a, a, um, a sandbox that, you know, that we can build up something overnight and then take it down if you don't like it. Um, sort of a, a, a space to test out new ideas and to, and to um, put ideas into reality as fast as we can. When did you first learn about urban farming? Ah, oh, well, so when I came back from Australia, uh, I mean, I, I've read about, you know, farming in cities and urban farming in general before that, but I guess I really only learned about it in the Singapore way right around 2015, 2015-ish. So that was about six years ago. Yeah, but back then, you know, in, uh, you know, in 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 the in the major cities like Tokyo, New York, they already in LA, of course, they already had their their urban gardens and and all that um, um, and all that concepts coming along. So the Singapore was a bit backwards already. Uh, they were, were playing catch up, uh, and at the same time, we were learning how to how to make it better. So what about your time at UWA? Were, were, were the gardens there at UWA campus ever an inspiration for what you do today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, I think UWA was, was great because they had all the facilities uh, in terms of, um, you know, the, they had the greenhouses and they had all the test bits. Um, but I actually started a, a, a veggie patch in Trinity College where I was staying at. So that was where I got my hands dirty. Um, you know, because you're, you're you're living on 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 campus, and you know you need you need you need to have an outlet for your energy and, and all that. And I thought that it would be nice to set up a garden for the for our cafeteria. So our cafeteria actually harvests some of the the crops there that we plant in. So we had like a small volunteer group that that would come down and tend to them to to make sure that they're you know they're growing well. And that was my that was actually my 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 learning my learning curve. That was how I learned about vegetables. Yeah. And what about your time staying at, at Trinity? Because most graduates I speak with that stayed on campus and in mm. College Row mm. is probably the biggest highlight of their time at uni. Mm. It is. It is still one of the best decisions I've had coming into 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 UW. I think when you when you stay in such a dynamic place, you get to meet people from all around the world and get to really be immersed in 
the Australian culture and, and, mm. and, and the traditions. So that really, um, I guess that was that was, you know, the icing on the cake for for a lot of a lot of the, the experiences that that uh, I, I I managed to amass in the time. The friends you make there are very very you know long lasting. Um, everybody still keeps in touch in one way or another, um, and that that really helps the experience. You know, like you you go to a new country to make new friends and to learn new things. Now, you're ahead of. Citizen Farm, but you know, a year later you co-founded Insector. So Insector transforming waste into high-value biomaterials. Can you share with everyone what is Insector and where did the idea come from developing right. this business? Cool. So Insector is um, Insect. So Insector was 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 the, was born because I was interested to solve the protein problem first. So I was I was trying to figure out okay. Protein now is going to be in, in huge demand in one way or another through animal feed and alternative proteins, etc. So what what should I what should I grow, right? I don't want to be growing the typical traditional proteins, like animal proteins. So I, I, I researched into into two types. One was the um on the um micro microalgae single organism kind of protein. And then there was the of course the insect farm. So I was like, ah, I, I'm working with plants too much. Let's let's try something new. <laughs> Um, so then, then insect farming was was the option. And then when I when I realized insect farming was was the option, I, I I didn't think that there were like millions of insects that I could think that I could farm. You know, we we could think about cockroaches, mealworms, um, and of course black soldier fly and and and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so the more I researched into it, um, you know, cricket was one of the options as well. But I picked black soldier fly because it solved another problem, which was the which was the waste part of it. So. That gave me um, another reason to pick black soldier fly, and 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 I, I played around with it for a couple of years before I before I started. So I actually started doing insect farming already in 2015, you know, like a hobby project in 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 a house, start a small colony, um, really understand the insect behavior, really understand what makes it work before um, we put that into practice in uh, in insecta. So, so Insecta's goal is to um, develop, or rather that was back then when I started out, um, it, now, it has changed its course for, for, for sure now. Um, Insecta's role was to um, valorize organic waste that was in huge amount to reuse them and recycle them into something that we can put back into our economy. So it was, it was to, to design a circular economy process involving food waste and food. So that was the main goal of that. When we were having a chat before this podcast started, doing the research, insect farming isn't necessarily common knowledge. So, I mean, I asked you about, you know, when you knew about urban farming, what, what about insect farming? Is it, is it more common than we no, realize? For sure. No, no, no. It's far from common. It's, it's actually still in its early stages of development. It's still not completely... Um, well regulated as well mm-hmm. um so you know huge huge potential for 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 research and development uh, and even on the on the regulatory side they are finding hard to uh understand this uh, deeper in fact being the first insect farm in singapore was already a feat in itself right yeah. we were uh, we were already pushing that boundary using um insect farming and the government did kudos to the government of singapore they they did try and um 
facilitate the process as best as they can. Mm. Uh, they knew that uh, they, they knew that this idea was something that was going to come one way or another. So uh, that was that was a key that was a key move. That was definitely a big move for 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 us. You talked about pushing boundaries. What what's the next boundary you, you're going to push? I think I'm quite happy to not push anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it's tiring to push boundaries. It's definitely very resource intensive. You know, we, we burn through a lot of investments. We burn through a lot of time and effort. Mm. Um, so you probably need deeper. You probably need a lot of uh, backers. You probably need a deeper pocket to to push more boundaries for sure. Um, but I think right now, what I really intend to do, especially as I as I as I approach my uh, new phase of my career, I really want to utilize everything that I've learned in the last you know five to ten years. And, and, and utilize it for a career that can give me for the next 10 years, um, developing new projects, developing new um, 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 projects that, that would help people ultimately, right? And uh, I, I'm a very firm believer in smallholder farmers. I think that there's a huge, huge gap that we can fill in that, in that area. Uh, not many people, you know, um, have invested time and effort into developing that sector. So I would like to see that, that become a thing. Um, boundaries wise. Yeah. I'm, I'm, to me, something new is, is always around the corner and, and yeah. And I think it's about doing, it's just, it's about, it's, I think now right now is about doing it. Hmm. Now you talked about there's gaps in the market. So if someone's listening to this going, oh, I really want to do what Darren's doing. What are the top tips you'd give them? Hmm. Um, farming is not for everybody. So you need to really know what you're getting yourself into. I've seen people come in with, you know, with all the optimism and all the hope, but like three weeks into their job, they realize, wow, this is not what, this is way more than what I asked for, you know? Hmm. Um, so so I, I guess one of the easiest ways to start off with is to... Um, Join the closest farm that you're that you're in. Get your hands dirty. Go go volunteer a little bit um, before you you before you before you say that yeah this is something that I want to do. Um, you 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 don't want to make you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to be too. What you read online is 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 obviously just one aspect of it. It shows mm. you all the good stuff, but you if you really want to get involved in it, you have to be in a farm too to experience what the farmer experienced before you understand, you know, you have to look at the whole supply chain, you know, understand how food moves from one point to another before you, yeah, you got to run, you got to go through the process. If not, it's, it's going to kick you on, kick you in the end. Yeah. So what, what, what's kicked you, kicked you? Like, is there a project that you look back on? Oh, that fell miserably because we talk about all your successes, but you know, have there been failures in your career? Oh yeah, huge. Um, every time we, every time we develop uh, a new project that didn't go through, you, you probably you probably see a lot of only the things that go through. But I think out of ten projects that we propose for, only two to three of them would would be something yeah, that, that I have today. So a lot of these were, you know, stakeholdership management issues. A lot of this were technical. Some of it were technical issues for sure. Um, and 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 ultimately, it, it boils down it boils down to dollars and cents, right? Uh, it's it's about the business. Um, it's about the commercial viability of, of of the project. A lot of it boils down to that. 
um, and and it still does, and even in, even in, in 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 today's even more so in today's context, you know, people are coming in with, with so much into the food system, but they do not understand enough about the food system. It's it's definitely taking a lot more um, of the limelight now for sure, but um, the level of understanding will only need to increase. And what about educating? I guess us as a world on when it comes to farming, like do we need to be educated more on what needs to be done from an environmental perspective as well? Yes. Um, I think education comes in two forms. Uh, one is in the, and it's all linked. One comes from the production and one comes from the consumption. I think the producers need to um, be a bit more uh, savvy with what's happening in the world in terms of, you know, environmental damage, environmental degradation. Um, and then the, the consumers need to understand that the choices they make fuels a lot of the issues that comes from the producer. So it's, it's really a cycle that both sides needs to be um, aware of for each other, you know, because um, a farmer is a, it's, it's a consumer as well. So that's, that's easy, but a consumer is not necessarily a farmer. So, 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 and both sides think differently. So mm-hmm. consumers want cheap and fast mm-hmm. The, the producers won just a lot, right? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, volume. So we, we need to tie down a way that both sides understand that whatever decision they make has an, has an impact on each other and then ultimately as a whole, the environment. And what about the, I mean, I guess the industry as a whole, what, what's the biggest threat to the future of farming? Um, in my in my opinion, there's two, two biggest ones. One is the aging, the aging, um, the aging population within within farmers. A lot of the average age of farmers are increasing by the year. Yeah. That one, um, you know, robots will not be able to to, to do half the things we, we can do. Um, that's one for sure. Second one is of course the farming practices. Uh, on every level, that means even from industrial farmers like in Australia, in America, in Canada, and in Europe to um, smallholder farmers as well. The practices needs to be realigned again to suit both the the current um, uh, environmental challenges like like climate change as well as to protect um, the biodiversity that exists in, in, in those farms. I think a lot of it is starting to become hugely hugely um, um uh, detrimental to our environment so so we, we we need to you know yeah we need to have a, a long hard look at, at at how we produce our our meat our, our crops etc so darren that's all the time we've got because i know i'm gonna let you go back to work but if oh. people want to find out more i want to connect with you where's the best place to go um i have a website um it's my it's my first it's my it's my farm um, you can just reach out to me. You can just reach out to me on that one. It's called petalicious.farm. P-E-T-A-L-I-C-I-O-U-S dot farm. Uh, it's a brand. It's a brand under, under, under my company. So that's, that's what we can, that was, that's what we can start off with. It's a, it's a local urban farm that produces, you know, microgreens and edible flowers. Um, we were predominantly focused on hotels, but now we're looking at retail so that, um, you know, we can, we can, we can definitely reach out from there. 
Beautiful. I'll add that in the notes for all our listeners out there. But Darren, thanks again. You're you know, one of our great leaders, one of our great leaders there and one of our great ambassadors, thanks. alumni ambassadors there in Singapore. So, you know, all the UWA grads out there, if, if you've got any questions for Darren, he's definitely there, there to help you. But I'll leave you to it. Darren, thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. Cheers. less coffee catch-ups, hugs or high-fives, but we're all still part of a global UWA community and have a role to play. The UWA alumni community is committed to helping all students, staff and graduates through the COVID-19 crisis. You can help by making a donation, sending a message of support, becoming a mentor or ambassador, giving some pro bono advice or just checking in with a fellow graduate. Let's all do our part and help the global UWA community.